we're gonna get started here in a little bit. That's gonna be our official. Let's clip this music. I want to give a shout out to Rare Discs for the hookup and creation of this. What is up, everybody? We have an amazing Jammers in the Rough for you this week. We have an amazing guest, Arturo, the MA3 Sandbagger King himself. <laughs> and, of course, we have our lovely co-host, Cody, the absolute worst. Josh, is it good winter? And your hostess with the most is today. Page, Arturo, what's up? How you been? Well, I mean, I was good until you threw the sandbagging thing in there. So. Right? <laughs> not the MA3, not the MA3. It was a sandbagger. That's where I crossed the line. I started moving up. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there. <laughs> I'm good. good. I'm, I'm here to uh, make you feel less superior because somebody wrote your name into chat and we just can't have that here. We gotta take it down a notch. It's, yeah, if it's not if it's not about Paige, then it's not yeah. good. It's Paige, Josh, guest, Cody. <laughs> but most that's not a word. <laughs> well, right to the Chris Moss. <laughs> I can see it on the screen. Not it's a word. With Chris Moss. <laughs> you know what? It's right there on the screen. Is it could you read it? Could you articulate it? It's a word. Yeah. How else were words created? Right. It's an urban dictionary. We're supposed to be talking about Arturo, not my choice of words. <laughs> we upon? We're going to go back to we upon? <laughs> we upon? Say Manny's name. Say his last name. Say it. Trujillo. Mm. Oh. I've been working on it. There's a reason I didn't say Arturo's, though. <laughs> man, you didn't even try, man. You I didn't, didn't even try this time. I'm not going to continue I'm to get it. away from you. <laughs> Was that? He lives ten minutes away from you. You don't know and his name. I know it's Arturo. It's Artie. Oh. <laughs> Artie down the block. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's my. Well, how's your uh, How's your season been, Arturo? Um, it was good, man. It was my first actual PDGA season. Um, started trying to take disc golf more seriously. Uh, thanks to Paige, he told told me to go out and start actually playing. And the whole yeah, year, I of that like pretend shit. He was out there without a disc, just one day dreaming. I was like, "Come <laughs> on, boy, get it together, get some plastic, sign up for a tournament." Yeah, I was heavily pressured into the situation. Uh, you know, I was having fun just throwing discs by myself, and then Paige was like, "No, you got to take it seriously." I'm like, okay, so signed up, started playing, and it went pretty well. Um, went from MA threes, then I moved up to MA twos. And then just tried to learn how to play golf because that was one sport I never played growing up. And it's a completely different sport as far as mindsets, uh, short-term memory, and game plan. So um, learning a whole new sport itself was pretty pretty great. I loved it. Yeah. But no, see, like even, so even, even golfers who like do stick golf uh, don't play golf all the time. You know, they go out there and they hit that ball. I mean, same thing with, with disc golfing. You go out there and you throw a disc. But there, there's an art to it to get that W. Because you just, you know, you're shooting for what you can make, not what you can run. <laughs> because running during a tournament is what gets you dropping those slots. Yeah, the risk it for the biscuit type of mentality. <laughs> risk it for the biscuit. Well, I feel like I'm still out here, like, learning how to play golf. Like, it's such a boring part of what we do <laughs> like i don't know last weekend for example like 
uh, Dallas and myself were like shooting doubles and we ended up winning it by quite a bit. But like halfway through, I was kind of getting bored and I was like, I quit taking my time. I started focusing more on like the conversations, the joke being had rather than like trying to sit there and be like, okay, let me line up my shot. Let me take my time. Let me do my X decks. Like going through my like mythology of like, okay, am I tired? Let me disc down to a nine speed instead of 12 speed and like doing all my other things. And it's just like, oh yeah. Then I had like six shots that were just terrible in a row. And it's like, I can't be doing this. I got to focus on playing golf. Like that's just such a hard concept for me to grasp. Yeah. And like right now I'm, I'm actually in a transition to dial in my form a lot more. So I took out all the discs that are higher than nine speed out of my bag um, so that I can try to push my nine speeds as far as I can. That'll mean that I'm actually developing my form better and stop trying to like put more power into a 12 speed to try to get it to go further and less controlled. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, develop that touch game. I think that's something that you did like really well, especially before you got sponsored by Prodigy. So if you guys don't know, Arturo is sponsored by Prodigy. We're going to ask him later if he's going to double down for the, the next season. But before that, like you were throwing a lot of like thing, Mambas, Mysteers, um, some Makos. Yeah, you really like touch orientated. And so when you were powering up, it wasn't still like, oh, destroyer off angle torque. Let me put like, you know, try to flex this out. You're like Kaiser flipping a mystere and getting some flex out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, definitely did not have a lot of power coming into the game. And if I tried, it was going that way. Like there was no way I was like dialing it straight. And so um, I had to learn to throw flippy stuff in order to get it to go further. Which was the mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say, like, let's talk about some of your roots, though. Like, I think when you and I linked up, like, two or three years ago, one of you, like, you were probably one of my actually longest, like, people that have been playing the game. You're like, what, six years before at that point, but you were doing it really casually down in Northern California. What well, was kind of some of like that golf like, and you know, starting to see the transition of like casual to competitive, and how that's actually kind of like honed your game yeah uh, california golf is is great you get all types of different uh courses depending where you go um i grew up playing in the uh redwood curtain uh, or not grew up but i learned how to play in the redwood curtain and that was in humboldt county and every single shot was blind and you couldn't play that course like without knowing the course or without um playing with somebody who knew the course before you did and every conversation I had with somebody who guided me through that was like, trust me, the basket's over there. Just throw it that way. <laughs> and so like I had no real technique or like trying to figure out what I was going to do and how I was going to bend the disc while learning how to play the game because I couldn't see the basket. I was just trying to throw it through a gap. And so essentially that kind of based me to be more of a touchy player than a go for it kind of a player because I was trying to hit a gap versus go for a basket. Yeah, and, and you know, and going for those gaps early on, um, I mean, that's a big skill, you know, being able to get yourself calm enough to hit a gap, because what I see a lot of, a lot of uh, people do uh, when they're starting out, or even like playing for a while, but more casually, is when they get to a gap, the concept of making it go through it is it's just a very hard thing sometimes, even if it's a decently sized gap. Um, you know, it's like off to the side or on the wrong side of the tree than you really meant to do. So playing uh, gap golf is, is very beneficial to your game, too. Mm -hmm. On the same line, I did watch you throw a 350-foot ace through a 10-foot gap. 
<laughs> that, oh, was man, that was crazy. That was a good day. That was a good day. My life. Um, just so you know, Paige. Um, That's fine with me. He is. He really is. <laughs> I feel like Arturo is one of not only the coolest guys, but the most social guy I know. Like, you talk about the tournament scenes. Like, I'm still someone that's, like, really bashful and shy. So it took me a long time to get to know people in the tournament scene. Arturo, like, first tournament, it was just, like, talking to everybody, befriending everybody. And, like, now it's just, like, a social gathering for Arturo at tournaments. And it's just crazy (laughs) to see just, like, the love and support, like, he gets. And, you know, like, people just drawing those connections to him and, like, being gravitating towards him. There's uh, another guy up here, his name's Steve, and I always feel like, because he's a little bit older, but he's just as social, and I was like, when the moment those two linked up, it's just like nonstop conversation, and just, (laughs) it's too much for me. It overwhelms me at times. (laughs) I like how you pick the most common name. There's just a guy named Steve. I mean, (laughs) no context, just a guy, Steve. That's just a guy named Steve. (laughs) Steve. Shout out to Steve. (laughs) Yeah, man, I love I love talking to people. Um, I I was a social butterfly growing up, and like being enveloped in a sport that has arguably better people per capita than any other sport that I've ever played. Um, just I think it's just amazing. I mean, I've known you for a long time, and it was because of this terrible take. I'm a I shitty don't. person. <laughs> I mean, I feel that way. It is what it is. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I feel like talking to people about disc golf and disc golfers in general is just way easier than talking to somebody about, I don't know, football or sometimes wrestling, but like not baseball for me or any of those other kind of sports. Just not personally, though. I think you're absolutely right because I feel like I played with a, quite a few people at this point, but it's those ones that like you keep going back to that you're able to continuously shoot 18 holes with, which can take an hour and a half to three hours. And conversation never die, and it's not like a terrible time out there. And I think that's such an important aspect to find, like for your play group, because I've played with people like for practice where it's just like, okay, cool, I'm never going to see you again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's definitely definitely opened up some of that. But let's kind of backstep too and look at this. Uh, you know, your first tournament, right, was uh, hoarding side out. Oh no! no. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so first tournament ever. Uh, he steps in and shoots a thousand rated round in an MA3 tournament. And surprise, surprise, not only does he not win, he continues to double down and stay MA3 for about a month. No, like two months after that, right? No, I didn't win that. I know, that's what I said. I said oh, you well. didn't win. Oh, okay. I was like, surprise, surprise, he didn't win yeah. and chose to <laughs> stay MA3 after doing that. And that's kind of more like the bulk of what I wanted to talk to you about because. One of what we do, and I'm going to set this up a little bit, but what we do with our jammers in the rough is we try to bring different perspectives from, mm-hmm. you know, Cody being MA3, MA2, Josh being MA2, me being MA1, now transitioning to, you know, kind of lower level MPO and working on some of that. But we kind of have this whole scope of like covered and where I feel like a lot of people get pressured to move up and shed that sandbagger label. And I'm not saying you were a sandbagger because you shot a thousand rated and you followed it up with a 760. <laughs> so clearly that's not like a consistent feat. And it's Highlands, so you know you need to be scoring at Highlands. Yep. But you you did it for two months with MA3. You shirked that pressure. Then MA2 even. I feel like after you moved up to MA2, you won like what six or seven tournaments last year. And oh, yeah. 
decided to finish MA2 season out without moving up until like late in the year to get some of that uh, basement MPO. I, I read that too. I, I'm already cashed. I already cashed. I'm good. I, that's already one, one hump off my back. I've already cashed. Um, but so for me, like the question is, it's like, you know, kind of being resilient through all of that, shedding some of that and actually finding, I think a very nice home in MA2 that I think a lot of people don't experience because they forced to move up so quickly that they don't settle in and get to kind of know everybody. So I just wanted to talk about like some of your decisions for that and what was kind of going through your mind. Cause you know, you want to talk about Paige pressuring you. I think I've asked you this question like seven or eight times over the last year of like, why the hell are you moving up? Why aren't you moving up? And you know, you've kind of shirked off a lot of my pressure, which mine's always a little bit lighter, but I'm sure there's always like people that are right next to you being like, all right, Arthur, you won this next one. Why are you here? <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, definitely that first tournament was ridiculous. Shot at 800, then went down to a 700, came back the next day super mad and shot a thousand rated. I don't know how the, how the heck that happened. Um, but yeah, I did. I'm like I said, I was I'm learning the sport, and that's what I did this whole first season: learning how to win, learning how to lose, um, learning to try to keep my composure, all that kind of stuff. Because every time you know you do something bad on a course, you want to throw your putter in the water or tear it in half and you can't do that it's not football you can't just go take your anger out on the next person you know what i mean i mean you can you you, i mean you can. <laughs> it's not it's a currency violation but you know you, you technically can yeah yes but in a standard no you can't <laughs> um so playing ma3s i enjoyed playing because again i was learning the sport got my three wins and decided to move up then I started playing MA2s, and by all means, I would I was never killing any of these tournaments that I won. If I won, it was barely by one stroke. It was in a playoff. It was in, like, at the very, very end, something bad happened, and then it turned up for me. Um, so I wasn't so far ahead of the competition to, to, to make that decision to keep going up. And even though I did dabble in the MA1 division, and I got destroyed, by the way, um, especially this tournament or this tournament. Um, but great players. And um, I just really enjoyed also like the community in MA2. And that's a that was one of the biggest things, because when I tried to play with people in MA1s, like it, they weren't to me as welcoming as the MA2 players. Um, I met a lot of good MA2 guys, um, Sora, the guy named my, my, my good friend named Sora, uh, Nate, Philip, uh, Aaron. And so all these guys were like good just friends. Very generic names, of course. I just feel like you guys know are like, who they are. <laughs> <laughs> I their baby names. You're just like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even the guy who got me on the, the Prodigy team, my buddy Ryan Evans, and um, met all those guys with, through MA2s, and they became friends outside of that. And so I was more attracted to having that camaraderie outside and playing those casual rounds with MA2 players who were more willing to play and enjoy the game better than just, like, taking the game too seriously in MA1 and not really getting back to their roots and enjoying why they played the sport in the first place. So that's really what kept me in MA2s. But now I know the time has come that this time I need to start. I need to step it up. I want to become competitive. I need to start moving up to MA1s and make that push. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I think you're kind of right there. I mean, I feel like you were there probably a lot longer than like you give yourself credit for um, just kind of watching some of your game develop and how you've done that. But I think that camaraderie and that, that chemistry um, is such an important factor of it. Cause that's one of the things like, you know, ha- like I, kind of daunts me for like some of that MPO push of being like, okay, I don't really know everybody, but also you put cash on the line and it's a different kind of human interaction once there's, there's money involved. Um, and so then it becomes like, I feel like sometimes a little less genuine. Um, and that's always that kind of frustrating, especially where like, you know, I can almost show up to a tournament MA1 and be carded with somebody that I can get along with, which takes stress away. Like nothing worse than showing up to a card and being like, okay, cool. I don't know anybody. Let me see if I could like break the ice. Hey, nice shot. Okay. Nobody said anything back. Let me try to move this on. Okay. Like, you know, like then you have like this internal like monologue while like you're trying to focus on this game. Um, that's one of the things like I don't look forward to with this next jump and something I, you know, when I go to a tournament, like travel and I don't know anybody, it's like, okay, I'm going to spend like six holes doing just that and <laughs> trying to break the ice and then never broke until, especially if you're doing good. I feel like the ice never breaks if you're doing good. The mm-hmm. moment you do bad or something, usually you can kind of find the other guy doing bad. You can bond over like, you know, kind of some of that. But if you're doing good, it's really kind of ostracizing. Yeah, no, I totally understand that, especially because those people in MPO are, like, in the zone, and they're in it, and they don't come out until the last putt's made. Mm-hmm. So. That's yeah. a good question right here. Uh, hey, you could probably answer this one the best. I mean, this is always a this is a really tough one. Personally, I think MA2 has more baggers than MA1s, because I feel like the MA1 people that are bagging, they're usually coming out for, like, two or three tournaments, and they're the bigger ones um for like ma1 and then they're right back up to mpo so i feel like there's that little bit of like you know especially once you cash it's it's really hard to come back down um and so like i personally think ma2 because there's also like 935 players that like show up and they're like oh i just beat the opposition by like 10 strokes and Mm -hmm. it's just like i've seen that a lot more of like you know the true like ma2 ratings which is like 925 to 935 I've seen them go down there and just absolutely demolish like a B or C tier. Um, whereas I think MA1, there's usually a good like 10 people that can in any given day be competing and winning. And, you know, even like the ones that maybe quote bandbagging, um, like the 960 rated players, I've seen them get destroyed by like 930 rated players, 940 rated players. So I feel like when you're starting to deal with some of that gap, like sandbagging becomes a lot harder unless you're like, you know, I think like for big tournament like for nationals for example where you can play mpo all season as long as you're you know under 975 at qualification under a thousand dollars made it doesn't matter what your rating is right you can qualify at 975 and then push a thousand rated that's kind of what kyle kyle klein did and then he won it so it's like those big tournaments i think are always going to have sandbaggers portland open uh colin hayden i don't i hate to call him a sandbagger because he's playing mpo but it's like he played two maa1 tournaments this year and he won them both um, one was his qualifier for nationals. One was the Portland Open, um, and so it's like, okay, like he won that tournament and in a good way. Don't get me wrong; that's a huge tournament to win. But so, like, I think I, I think MA two is just easier to sandbag. I mean, we'll have a guest here on the future where I remember him just talking about like, oh, I jumped over nine thirty five. The moment I get right back down and lose, drop some rating, I'm going right back to MA two to win. And it's like, okay, cool, you could be that, but that's probably not, you know, how the mindset you should be in <laughs> yeah well that portland open ma1 that was a tight tournament too like all the way down to the end look is this oh. is this uh 
Sorry, sorry. Is this Tim Tain posted in? I think that's exactly what I was talking about. He's all calling himself out. <laughs> I was trying to be nice and not call you out by name, but if you're calling yourself out. And blind and just destroyed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much Tim. He's a, he's a king of Whistler's Bend, though. Yeah, with them envies, man. Deadly. I mean, I thought Josh was going to put the comment up, but whatever, Josh. Don't give that Josh shout out. Yeah. They're just talking about me at Whistler's. <laughs> that definitely seems like Tim Tayton. But, yeah. So, anyways, that's that's my take on it. What are you guys' take on the MA1, MA2 sandbaggers? Well, I haven't played uh, with the you know MA1s. I just played with Paige, and he basically sandbags everything. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, MA2s, I've played with some MA2 people quite a bit, where it's like, what are you doing in this division? Like, <laughs> you should not be... Oh, okay, you, got, you want that W. Okay, the W is what means more than anything else in this day. So... I you know I don't I just let them do it and I have fun with my card, but I see it so often with MA twos. Um, but like I went, I was trying MA two just getting destroyed when I first started doing tournaments, um, and then I went down to MA three, and then won the MA three I went into, and then I just went right back to MA two, and I just like kept like getting, just trying to be not last, and now I'm middle, middle of the pack upper middle and so i'm you know i'm climbing away my way up there um i mean but it's nice to play with people who are better than me um i like watching how what they do asking them like what discs they're using for that shot why they took a shot um like i i use my tournament play as practice to learn i'm just learning what people are doing and seeing like why am i not doing that what if i try that oh it doesn't work for me all right let's move on with something else you know, I don't try to like replicate. I try to absorb extra knowledge to then adapt it to what I do. Um, and I've I've learned quite a bit of, of things playing in a division that I'm just getting my ass whooped in. But, no, I think here. that mentality too of like uh, you know sandbaggers too, like because I understand the 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 want and the desire to win, but for me, I always come at a growth kind of mindset through my competitive side. Like, of course, I want to win. But I also want to be realistic with where I'm at in this given time. So dropping down, I don't think is ever that because I want to continue to challenge myself and push myself. Been like wanted it to be winning like MA1 where I did last year um, in a lot of tournaments. And then like next year, it's like, okay, cool. Like I can take that chip off my shoulder and try to focus more on growing my game, growing my consistency and developing myself like as the, the disc golfer I envision myself to be. And so that's for always me. It's like, that's what I love about disc golf. There's always that kind of next step. There's, you know, low to about to be in the low end of MPO for the next year, which is already like disheartening. And then there's going to be like, well, I'm going to break that and be the middle of the pack again. Then I'm going to break that. And even if I start to like do good in the local scene, then there's this whole pro and national tour and everything. So that's where I get into it. But I feel like the moment people start to drop down and quote unquote sandbag intentionally where they just want the W and you, everyone knows they should be moving them up, including themselves. Like, I'm very loose with sandbagging, like, but I'm just, like, the intent, like, to just go and try to get a free trophy and script or whatever um, because you're so far exceeding them. I feel like that's where you acknowledge that you're probably never going to be better than the MA2, MA1, like, player. Um, and you start to reevaluate why you're out there competing. Um, that's kind of some of my take on it. Yeah, you always got to step it up and get to the next level, too 
not only challenge yourself, get better at the sport, but do what Josh was saying and like learn from what these better players are doing. I've just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I threw around with a couple of guys that were playing in MPO and they're hitting these crazy lines that I've never tried, like even wanted to think of uh, throwing. Like my shoulder would hurt if I would have thought of throwing them. And I was like, they can do that. Let me try that. And then I can hit those same lines. I mean, obviously it didn't look as pretty, but like I can like sort of replicate what they're doing. And that's because I was playing with somebody who's higher up in, in skill level, clearly. And um, that's, that's another thing to be excited about too. When you step up into a new division and higher division is that like you have these types of people who are clearly better than you or can clearly throw further than you and they can teach you some things whether you ask for it or not, just be a sponge and learn what they do and put it into your bag as well. Make it work for you. Yeah. Well said. Well, you Cody. Well, I've only just played. Anyway, so let's go to the comment section. <laughs> go, ahead, Cody. go ahead. I said it. I'm going to queue up. <laughs> I was excited too, man. Cody, don't let him, don't let him throw out your fire, bro. Let me hear you. I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. Um, so I've only really played MA3, MA2, um, and I moved up. But like in our local league and stuff, there's like a guy that we always give crap for because he still plays like the rec division, even though he's had rounds that were like 990 and up rated rounds. And he's like, nah, but I'm just getting older and I don't I'm not consistent enough. So everyone gives him crap for it. So everyone everyone knows we're like, can we just make Mark? move up finally no nobody's gonna do it. okay um but i i have not seen i guess i see more sandbagging in ma3 where i am just because i haven't been in a whole lot of tournaments with like ma1 and open guys i've seen them i've come and watched and they are they're like ridiculous but most of the yeah that's i need binoculars how far they're throwing but most of those guys are just kind of hang out and wreck. And what they're doing is they're like win wreck for a while. And then uh, you ask them about MA2. They're like, ah, no, I just don't play enough. And then they stay down there and then they're win. And then they have a bad week. Um, but, yeah, I moved up to MA2 because I won MA3. And I was like, well, I might as well challenge myself. That's the only way you're going to get better. I played competitive volleyball for so many years. And I like playing better teams because you're right. You see them do something better. Same thing with disc golf. I, I want to try that. I'm not going to get better if I'm playing worse people. I'm going to get better if I get beat. So I wanted to challenge. I, I'm still kind of hanging around the middle, uh, sometimes the top, sometimes close to the bottom, but usually about in the middle of MA2. So and I, and I like I like the mentality like you guys are talking about better. Like I joke around. I, I, that's my national per, or natural personality, just always joking. Um, so I, I have no problem talking to people, messing with people the whole round. And if I do something stupid, call myself out, you know, I don't mind that. No, I think you bring up a good point about MA3. I know the question was like MA1, MA2. I feel at least in our local scene, like in the Northwest, I think MA3 has the most unintentional sandbaggers where, oh, I've never signed up for a tournament, but I've done, you know, I've been playing for six, seven years. So let me just see what MA3 is about. And then they show up and then just absolutely shred. And you're like, okay, cool. There's two 950 rated rounds for your first tournament. Or a thousand rated round in a uh, eight hundred rated round to average nine hundred. Um, it's the dudes I, without PDGA numbers too. They're like, I don't have a PDGA number, so I don't keep track of that. Like, oh, you son of a. Yeah. 
so I feel like that's that's the case with MA3. But you also have those people that uh, like utilize it and continue and should be there to be honest. And I feel like there's no shame with people that you know wanna and should be playing MA3 coming out for the tournaments and trying to figure out how to continue to kind of push themselves. Yeah. But it's just yeah, how you approach the game and how you approach tournaments is such a unique thing and aspect. And you know, I'm someone those one of those people that I'm gonna take my losses, I'm gonna take my lumps. Um, and then it'll pay off in time. Like, I remember my first year of wrestling, like, I didn't win a single match for my first year. But then, you know, 12 years later, I'm one of the best in the state and nation at the time and all that fun stuff. But it's like realizing that that's how things need to progress. Like, everyone wants to take short because I feel like disc golf is such a shortcut, like, kind of game where you're like, okay, cool. Like, Look, I grabbed this destroyer, and if I put on a roller angle, it flexes out, and I can throw it 350. Let me do that. Oh, 350 arm cannon. You know, instead of, like, doing what the, the what you should be doing, which is, like, oh, here's a flip of your disc, like Arturo's talking about. I'm going to take nine speeds out and refocus on learning my form and the flight of discs and how to throw better. Um, because I feel like shortcuts in disc golf are only going to get you so far. Eventually, you need to start to hone yourself and your game. Um, and so yeah, it's just it's an interesting one. <laughs> what was that? I, I saw something pop up. Oh, I no. seen it. I seen it. I thought you had to play disc golf. I think that's what it said. It might have said that. Oh my goodness. So I will say Arturo was one of the first person I made it met locally to uh sell a disc to and one of the last people i met up locally to sell a disc to um you only need me bro no it's just one of those like arturo is really aggressively social for me and like i went to sell him a disc he's like you want to play around with me let's get around it right now so we played around and then he hit me up the next week to play and i'm just like oh man i'm just playing by myself and now all of a sudden uh Arturo's hitting me up on a weekly basis. I just moved to Oregon. <laughs> Paige was like the first disc golfer I ever talked to. And he was That's cool. So I was like, yeah, let's play. <laughs> but I'm finding out now that I was a nuisance, guys. I thought we were cool. I mean, uh, <laughs> I just found out I was a nuisance. <laughs> I guess you said, you know, it's cool. You know, That's all right. I mean, I begrudgingly tag along with you and you force me to be social. So you make me a better person. And I know more MA2, MA3 players than I think I ever would have without you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's that supposed to mean? Sometimes you need, you need people to make it. We're, we're, we're below you? Like rating-wise, oh. yeah, technically you're below me. Wow. <laughs> Just cast pages. He's Everyone's below page. I got a lot of work to do then, guys. <laughs> no. Terrible take. Page is not cool. Page is a very antisocial, bashful kind of guy. But you have such a big well, head. I mean, Josh is failing his technology. But one of the oh, I have a huge head. guys out on the disc golf course for sure. Yeah, head. I'm big. I'm brown. I'm tattooed. I'm kind of one of the most noticeable people everywhere. You're also <laughs> always wearing like highlights. That hot take. That hot take is trash. That sucks. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Degeneration, Cody. That's a cool take. You can stick that back, and it just says Facebook friend. I don't want to be your Facebook friend. Get out. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Just preach on, Cody. Preach on. Yes, that's actually just Josh right there. Preach on, Cody. <laughs> He's on the chat. Preach is a fucking asshole. Who gave this guy a platform to talk? Go back to being antisocial, not talking. 
man. So let's talk your sponsorship, Prodigy. And I also want to talk about your sponsorship with your previous employer because that was cool. Mm. Um, I think Arturo had a very unique way of, you know, navigating what he had to not only get sponsored, but then leveraging that to kind of build a bigger platform. And I thought that was really cool. Did you want to dive in a little bit about your, your sponsorship journey, Arturo? Yeah. Um, so playing in a tournament, I met a guy named Ryan Evans and, uh, he was on this prodigy street team and I didn't really think much of it. I thought he was just a cool guy. Uh, we started playing some rounds and one t- one day we were heading to Hag Lake and he's like, Hey, I want you to join the street team with me. Do you want to throw a prodigy? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Prodigy's cool. So he uh, pulled some strings, asked some people, and then they hit me up, asked me to, to give them some information. And then next thing I knew, um, I got on the team and that was great. And I was super into it. And now, then I was like, you know what? Now I got to take disc golf seriously. And uh, actually, I had a deal with my girlfriend that if I got sponsored, we get a dog. So that was actually the first thought that came to my head. I was like, dang it. dog. <laughs> so now we have a dog. <laughs> and, uh, and so with that, it just kind of gave me like a kick in the rear to like start taking disc golf more seriously, start practicing more. And then I brought it to my boss at the time for optimal results physical therapy which i was a manager at and um, told him hey i just got picked up by prodigy um i'm probably gonna start playing more um you know can we switch my schedule around so i could practice more and he's like sure um what do you what else do you do and i started telling that we can sponsor holes and stuff like that so he's like do you do you want me to help you i'm like yeah i was like what do you want me to do he's like well all you gotta do is wear the name um and then uh you know, let us know when the you can sponsor holes. We'll sponsor them. We'll pay for them, um, just to get our name out there and kind of stuff. And so, I was able to sort of cross that over with my work and Prodigy. So I was kind of double sponsored for a bit. And so they gave me a lot of gear to wear. I was wearing like sweatshirts and uh, like active pants and polos and stuff like that with my work on it. And then I was able to put Prodigy stickers and Prodigy of stamps and stuff on those shirts as well. Um, so I was able to cross, crossbreed that, I guess. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a cool. <laughs> That's the name for it. That's the name for it. For crossbreeding, crossbreeding sponsors. That is science. And um, and yeah, it was a it was a great it was a great work relationship. Um, he even had me put a practice basket in the gym that we were working in, so I was putting all day, um, whenever I had breaks and stuff, and so that was fun. Really cool guy. Um, his name's Keith Glasser, and um, so yeah, sponsorships are cool. Sponsorships are definitely something that'll get you going, especially like if you're in that transition from being casual to start taking it more seriously. And it's totally worth it, I would say. Well, I also just think it's cool. Like, you know, I feel like you weren't shying around the ability to go and talk to your employer around what it could look like um, for them to kind of just contribute. Because I mean there's a lot of employers out there that have advertising dollars that have, you know, budgets at the side and, you know, ultimately talking to somebody depending on the field you're in, obviously, but to kind of explore some of those like possibilities, I think is really important. I mean, there's a few like warehouse workers I know that have talked with their management and got baskets put up in the warehouse. So then they're putting while they're moving boxes. And Mm -hmm. I think being creative with this whole approach is kind of where disc golf, I think started 
in regards to just like a lot of like different aspects of it. Be creative, be innovative, and you know, figure out how it starts to kind of work for you. Because like being able to leverage Prodigy with your work and show them that you are taking it seriously then allowed you to not only take a like a giant leap forward, but now you're kind of you know bolstering a different relationship with your work outside of like here's my nine to five and what I'm doing for you, um, and very like transactional relationship. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, bridge that. So I think that's kind of cool and something I feel like everybody out there too, like I said, like as a MA2 player, you're able to kind of get both of these things by not only social or socializing and networking, but then also, you know, where you were working. So be creative, I think yeah. is my, my message. Yeah. I'm legit a talking billboard, man. Like it's terrible. I know <laughs> it's great. Um, it, it was cool because I was able to <clears throat> like bring him into like bring my work into my personal life and have it be like a good relationship you know like there's a lot of there's a lot of people who like work and they want to keep work and essentially pleasure uh separate you know your pleasuring yourself in the course that's uh, a different uh, keep a g arturo keep a g trying, man. all right so. <laughs> Trying to keep those things separate is is good, depending on what your career is, what your what your work path is. But if you are able to mold those things into something that you really love, and every one supports the other, that's it's a dream, honestly. Well, definitely. Well, we actually have a question for you. Somebody wrote in, um, "What do you feel Prodigy does better than other brands?" And it's okay if you say absolutely nothing because, you know, we like to speak the truth here, but this is, this is your question to answer. <laughs> hey, man, to, to, each, to each their own, definitely. Um, I can't really say what Prodigy does better or worse than other brands uh, because I've never been sponsored by Trilogy or Innova or anything like that. So what they do for me specifically is I get – great deals on discs and um, I give them that 50 50 mutual relationship where I post about prodigy and I talk about prodigy and I compare other um, this in relationship to them. So that's a, that's a pretty good relationship as far as a sponsorship goes, having that 50 50 um, for me, especially as an amateur, um, as far as what I feel they do better. I think that the accessibility for prodigy like plastic is, just all over the place. So if you wanted to go get any kind of Prodigy discs, I feel like they were more available, especially during like the pandemic where like a lot of plastics were short. I always saw Prodigy on walls and I always saw Prodigy bags available. Um, I feel like they helped with keeping the game alive, um, especially like with a lot of the COVID disc golfers. And that's what I kind of saw with Prodigy. It was always around, regardless of the change in times. So that's what I feel like they did really well. I wouldn't necessarily say they would do it better than anybody else, but that's what I saw. You guys heard it here first. Arturo, Prodigy-sponsored ambassador, saying Prodigy is always on the shelves at stores because nobody buys it. So it's available. I, I like that take, Arturo. That's a, that's a great take for Prodigy. <laughs> I don't know a lot of people that threw Prodigy 2 page. (laughs) (laughs) That threw, keyword threw, right? That's past tense. (laughs) Well, if you already throw it, then you threw it. You can't (laughs) throw a thrown disc. You know what I mean? I mean, no. You can't. You go pick it up and throw it again. (laughs) What was that? Oh, no. People always sell unthrown disc. Do you unthrow it? 
Do you unthrow it? <laughs> yes. I will say I think with my 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 genuine answer to what Prodigy does differently than a lot of brands, I think there was a lot of hype for Discraft in the zone. Um, kind of like the zone in the buzz, right? Like if you're gonna touch Discraft, you should grab a zone. This is something that's gonna be like the you know, if you have open bag, you're gonna grab. I think Prodigy has solidified, I think, the A2, A3 slot to be extremely competitive with that and to be one of the better like available options for kind of cheater discs, right? I think the A2 is an amazing like disc that's just gets you out of jail if you're gonna be woods type player. I think that A2 is something that really sets them apart from other brands. Um, that transcends, I think, a lot of their rest of their molds and their company to where, you know, you should be looking at, I think, A2 because it does do it differently. And, you know, I think Ganon Burr's bringing a whole different light to it. And I know his Metal Flake A2s got sold out like crazy, but I think those are something that they do absolutely different. And then... Also, if they're... we're talking plastic itself, the amount of types of plastic within a mold in Prodigy is amazing. I love the fact that you can throw, like I say, an M4, which is a very, very good mid-range, in every single plastic that I feel like is available in other brands as well, from like super beefy overstable to beat in like DX and then a lot of like in-betweener type of plastic. It reminds me a lot of uh, what Gateway does with their putters. They just have like the... Um, what is it the wizard in like 20 different plastics and so prodigy does that same thing and so like if you like the mold you can throw it in all types of different plastics to get that just that touch um slight difference in the flight that's what i think is really cool about prodigy too and they're coming out with a lot of really good discs like um i absolutely love uh kale's uh shadow facts i think that disc is amazing it's got the dome a little bit of turn on it nine speed perfect absolutely and what is it? New. It's a what? Like what? Like what would you compare it to, or like flight number wise? Um, I would compare it to actually. So when I switched over, I was when I switched over from my open bag to Prodigy, I was trying to fill every disc in that spot, and I was missing it for a while until it came out, and it would uh, replace my uh, Savant or an Undertaker. So I slightly would, understable. Slightly understable turn, um, but I don't have the biggest arm, so. If, you know, you got somebody that was like, you know, either Scott Withers or somebody that um, can really put some turn on it, they would probably get it to get look like a negative two. But I think it's like a negative one with that slight turn and then that reliability come, coming back on the fade. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. So, sorry to jump in like that. But, yeah, I definitely want to relate. <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> no, that's good. That's what we, we're here to do. Promote yourself. Promote your companies. I'm going to talk a little shit because that's who I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just, if, you, if you're just getting into disc golf, I think Prodigy would probably be the best uh, company to start throwing, on, especially because they have that system, that putting approach system. Oh, this is what this is supposed to do. Uh, M4, mid-range for uh, stability. And, you know, higher up you go, the less stable it is. As a new disc golfer, throwing uh, discs that the name tells you exactly what they're supposed to do is probably one of the more important things when learning to throw or learning a new sport um, versus, you know, Innova, you know, could without actually knowing the disc, would you know the difference between a AVR and, say, a Thunderbird? Yeah, at all. Because so, I go throw it. 
and exactly. I watch what happens, and then I know after that. <laughs> exactly, but okay. like right off the back, like you wouldn't really, you couldn't really tell without having their flight chart, um, without having to buy the disc and take it out and throw it, or just have a guy named Paige that tells you to throw this every single time you throw a, a disc. Every so controlling. Down with Paige, so he always has me throw a disc out of his bag, and I can't say no. <laughs> you can't <laughs> say no. Throw it now. Yeah. Is when they like start doing extra letters, like the H three V two, the FX like nine. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what I'm throwing at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's uh the the H's still stand for stuff. It means hybrid. Um, it's basically like that tweener. So like they're like a rate, kind of so, like not super high speed, but not fairway. Yeah, so it's like it's in between a wraith, a thunderbird, and a beast. I would say so. Like like nine, ten, eleven speeds are the H, the H series. And then the V two is like version twos. Like yeah. I think Prodigy is like they're very straightforward. So it's like hybrid three, based off of like the kind of hierarchy of like stability, and then version two because they had an H three and then they retooled the mold mm -hmm. to be version two, kind of like how Mako <laughs> Mako three. Um, rock, rock three, kind of those type of things. Mm -hmm. The razor claw, yeah, that too. So it's like, but, yeah. Nice. I won't say though. Like Prodigy seems like they're getting away from their their system, and they're going more like this is a Shadow Facts, this is a Reverb, this is you know Falcor. Wasn't that one of them? The Falcor. Well, so I the reason they're doing that is because it's a collab. So it's not just Prodigy. It's them collabing. <laughs> Told you. I told you. Told like, you. Two to three times an episode. Paige cannot stay on our. Well, well, Paige knows the answer to this, but basically, the reason why they're having different names is they're collabing with somebody. So the distortion, mm -hmm. the reverb, the shadow facts, the uh, what's the other one? Um, wow. There's one with like a fine camel with a hat. Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, wow. I'm Strider. Like, I'm the Strider. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm not even sponsored. Come on now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I just started trying to fit the Strider into my bag, by the way. Um, but they're they're doing that because they're they're collabing. They're not just Prodigy. They're Prodigy with Kayla Visca. They're Prodigy with Kevin Jones. Like that's cool. They're, yeah. So they're switching. And they out. have a uh, flight numbers now too, right? They've always had flight numbers. Oh. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure they haven't. They haven't had always had flight numbers. I there thought was that was like, a, oh, the oh, collaboration. Did, yeah, the story. No, oh, the collaboration does. Like, in general, Prodigy, because it was like, this is our fairways, and they're just kind of like fairway speeds. They're not like, there was never like, this is a seven speed, this is an eight speed, this is a nine speed. It was always like, this is a uh, F2. They do, they do on my disc. What is that? F1 Proto? Mm hmm. Clear one? Well, that means it's probably stable. super stable, right? Like, yeah. The lower the that's, number, the more that's stable. Ba that's basically a PFN. PFN pre-flight number. <laughs> what the but, hell is a PFN? Pre-flight number. You know what that is. Don't play. <laughs> Sorry for my cutout there, guys. Josh grounded me and kicked me out. No, 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 no. no. Before this episode even started, he did this already, and we told Arturo he does this two to three times every episode because yeah. he's a doofus. And yet, and we don't even know what you do. Why every time you do it, it just like cuts out. You're midway talking, and then just you come back. It hits the backspace. I'm in the basement, so it's like my internet's always kind of spotty, and sometimes it just get a mesh router, man. I'm in the basement too. Okay, cool. Josh is in the shed somewhere. It's true. I'm. I, I am. I am uh, like sixty feet from my house. Oh man, he's just out out in the woods on his garden shed. His yeah, little I, Dexter I, I, cabinet. That's really what I do when I move to this house. I 
there's a shed in the back that had power to it. So I put like a mesh system. Um, I got internet out here and uh, insulated insulated the walls, drywalled it, and turned it into my my little uh, den for Paige when he comes He's over. He's in the mother-in-law unit. <laughs> yeah. I want someone to just yeah. open that door one time. Just wow! Oh, <laughs> it was locked. With a, it's, it's locked with a finger fingerprint. Like getting my thumbprint to get in here. Really? That's smart. Yeah. I mean, I feel like because if it's in your backyard, it's like I'm gonna find where you live and be like, let me bust into this shit. Yeah, dude, there's nowhere you can go around my house that my phone will not alert me for my cameras. I made sure. I work I mean, in IT. So I, like, I, I can make an Eric Oakley mask and walk around like you. I'll get alerted. Like, oh, why, why am I in the back? Why am I? Exactly. <laughs> That's me. Like Inception. Hmm. Right? So, Arturo, since we're talking Prodigy, are you going to double down next year? Are you going to go back to open bag and try to explore, you know, more of your game i love prodigy um i like the new plastic that they're coming out with uh they came out with an h7 most recently and it is amazing i used to throw a roadrunner and it fits in that spot the nine speed nig four um and uh there i can't wait for it to come out in more plastics than just the 400 they got right now and so i think that they have a lot of good things in the works they came out with that that bag right there, the Apex. Love it. Very comfortable. Um, and I don't know if they came out with it, they kind of hit copy paste, but well, I mean, there is there is a lot of talk on that, and I'm not <laughs> going to speak on it. But I, I wasn't going to be the one to say it. We have access to a great bag on Team Prodigy. That's all I'm saying. Um, very comfortable. And um, they, the team captains, the Galloways, have been doing really, really good work for us, with us. Uh, they take care of us. Um, and it's just – it's it's fun being on this team. And so I, I'm going to stick with them. I want to see the good stuff that comes out and want to be able to keep building my bag around it. So, yeah, I'm going to double down for sure. I will say with Prodigy, their swirls, if it was like on a Discmania disc, it, they would be like worth four times the price. Prodigy always has very, very nice swirls. The spectrums, yeah, I actually have. Let me show you. Mm. Full body shot, screenshot, guys. Paige, just hit spacebar again. <laughs> this is actually given to me by uh, my buddy Sorchan, and this mm. is like the spectrum plastic. It's it so pretty. Does that get chalky? Like, I don't understand why if I leave a Prodigy disc in a box for, like, two months, I come back and it's chalky. Has anyone ever figured that out? Oh. It's the it's the chalk and in the plastic, like, leaking out. So it's like the grippiness. It's like a built-in chalk bag. It's fantastic. Out. It's great, especially in Pacific Northwest disc golf. Like, it's always raining. So I just pull out, like, my chalky mid-range or my chalky, like, F Love those ones. And, like, I don't need a bag. I don't need a chalk bag. No need for it. Let's shake your disc. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> wow. Let's let's uh delete that last comment from Manny because that hurts my soul. Oh let's wait, move. Josh, put it up. Put, put it up, Josh. Put it up. <laughs> Let the world see. Mm. This is yeah. that's a big that's a big wow. Thank you. Thank you. Can I be after Arturo Manny? Can you make me something like another gremlin? A gremlin art. Gremlin art. 
Anyways, <laughs> we're transitioning to closing thoughts. So, Cody, what are some of your final thoughts on this lovely evening? First, Paige needs to learn how to use technology. That's number one. <laughs> you're going to be our host, and you're going to do that. Uh, no, I think it was uh, refreshing to hear, like, the different takes on, you know, like, MA3, MA2, MA1, and just kind of, like, that transition that, you know, even, like, Arturo was going through, how he went from here and why he stayed there, like, why he stayed in MA3 and then moved up. So that's pretty cool to hear. Um, it's, like, super super gross in Maryland right now. Like I haven't been able to play in a while, so I'm kind of bummed, but I need to practice putting. Uh, I've been cleaning up my garage, like got the putting basket. I just, I need to do it. So my closing thought is I need to do something with my off season productive. All right. And you should too. Are you not putting with your, uh, your kids anymore? Oh, I still do that. He, he uses judges. He quit using Number his kids because it's not. That's um... from me, isn't it? No, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I still do. Like, um, I have like I, I do challenges with kids. I'd be like, hey, if someone, I'll give you guys five chances. If someone can make this, we will skip running for the day. And the kids get psyched for it. They go bonkers, and they like they. You see, like all of them sit down together and like, all right, who's the best one? Like we need, and they love it. So I still do. Put, that's the worst thing when you said you put like every day at work. I'm thinking. I put a lot of days at work, but I'm not getting any better. So I don't know what I'm doing wrong. But yeah, I still putt putt frequently. Not not this week. We've been playing Christmas games, but I think the difference would be you putting for fun versus putting for sport. Like that mentality switch might be what um, is like changing. And when you say you're not getting better, it's just because you're changing the mentality versus like I don't know. I, I would suggest have more fun with it. Well, that's the thing. When I when I put it school and there's no pressure, I make so many. But then when I go out to a course, like 10 feet is like 100 feet. I can't do it. Pretend like you're putting in school. See, it took Arturo one night. Paige, you've been trying for years, and you're just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're transitioning to Arturo's closing thoughts. My, my, my heart's hurt already with Manny. Manny writing in, Cody with the oh, dagger. I'm too vulnerable yeah. right now, so we're no, going to go to closing thoughts. So, Arturo? Um, my closing thoughts is just, I mean, this is for anybody, but remember why you started playing in the first place. Um, if you are struggling with your putting or you're struggling with your struggling with your drives, remember what, what happened when you made that first long putt or you bombed that first drive and just work backwards start slower slow your game down and just remember to have fun um it, it can be a serious game and can be taken seriously but at the end of the day the worst day at golfing is better than the best day at work i promise yeah unless you're just golfing at work and then you succeeded in breaking that very cliche saying josh what is up? What are your closing thoughts? <laughs> I you know told I you I'm moving on, guys. My heart's too too crippled right now. You know, I thought about my closing thought all day long today. Oh um, damn. You know most prep we put into this yet. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have the link <laughs> I love it. But you know, it's it changed throughout the day multiple times. And what I've come up with is support your local disc golf scene. No matter what they do, always support your local disc golf scene. What does if that look like? Wrong, what does it look like? 
What does that look like? You know, I mean, it's it's trying to figure out ways. If you if you want it, something different, change, do it yourself. And anybody who's putting work in and trying to make your disc golf community better, good for them. And if you don't agree with it, good for them. Shout out to Jesse Tomano. All right, all day. Oh, that's not who we shout out. All right, that's that's, that's, that's definitely that's, not who Josh is shout out. Support, but Jesse, we love you. Local, support right, local. I'm shouting him out. I support him. Support him. Support everyone. I don't know if anyone you're talking support about. Him. Jesse, support them all. Mark, Steve, Bob. Mm. <laughs> well, I really like. I mean, like that sentiment in general, and I think we had an amazing time. So I don't need to go too much into my closing thoughts it's outside of like you know kind of having that intent having a reason finding that out for yourself why you continue to start playing and what you're out here doing and what you're trying to achieve and how best to navigate that and it's going to be unique for yourself i think arturo one of my favorite things is that no matter how many times i've our conversations we've had he's never felt pressured to follow anyone other's footsteps besides himself and he's wanted to figure it out for himself in the love of that regard and he's done just that and i feel like He's had a great MA3, MA2 year, and I'm really excited what that MA1 season is going to look like next year for him. Um, so with that, I would love to thank our sponsors. If Josh, you want to pull up our little screen. Oh, you know, and I'm ready for it this time. He's ready, ready while it. we're waiting. So <laughs> these are our amazing sponsors. Without them, we wouldn't be here. I'm just kidding. We would be here no matter what. But wow. Dark Ace... Disc. Go check them out. They just actually released a Nathan Queen jersey on his birthday. The collaboration is absolutely amazing. If you can see my little pineapple strawberry cup, there's some pineapples and dark ace happening. Go check them out. Didn't they Rare... say they're sending free jerseys, right? Who, no, dark ace? Yeah, they're not sending us anything. Oh, I, I mean, George, if you're listening to this, I am ready for my jersey. I'll be jersey, rocking man. it. 2XL. <laughs> we got rare air discs. We got black vinyl discs for the dies. Terminal velocity for the Ursus. Amazing. And future molds incoming. Rare discs. I Sorry, I blew Paiu too fast, but they got the discs. They got the mystery box. They got rare discs as well as sweet-ass jerseys. And as always, Mr. CH Sports himself, Colin it's Hayden. Him. Colin. Guys. It's Thank you so much. Arturo was absolute pleasure. So with that, keep jamming it in the rough, guys. I'm off to putting league.